welcome to People's Church Podcast. When I was looking over this message, I was sort of going through it and thinking about it, and, and it brought me back to, you know, you remember when you were young, and you, you had dreams, you know, like, I remember we moved to Grand Prairie, I would have been in, I would have been seven, eight, we moved to Grand Prairie from BC, and, and uh, I, I got into hockey, I enjoyed hockey, my uncles all played hockey and, and stuff, and I'd watch them, I'd go to games, I had um, some play for the college, and then they later played for the A's, and some were in, um, you know, minor hockey, and, and I just, I, I loved it, so I, I was, remember back, yeah, I enjoyed hockey, and, but was there something where I thought, you know, was uh, where I had a dream? Well, I remember when I was in, I don't know what they're called now, but back in the day, we moved to a place called Regency Court. That was way over, I think it's where uh, Chinese food places, uh, the, what is it called? Uh, over by Swanhaven, the little... Wally's Kitchen, that's right. We moved there. Across there, there were some big apartments. And we had big apartments. There was only about four or five, and then later they built on. But I remember I was seven, and we had these big apartments, and they were going like this. And then in the middle, there was a little green area. And us as kids, we would meet. <laughs> the gang would hang out. And uh, being seven, I remember one time I was sitting there and this kid that was annoying. Uh, I'm seven years old, so what's annoying? I mean, come on. Maybe, you know, stole my ball or I don't know. But this guy, all I remember is I had a goofy, it just sort of hit me. He was down in the green area below my porch and I crawled out there on the porch real quietly. And I don't even remember his name, but I think I'll go, went, this is God. You're a liar and a thief, Derek. He just freaked him right and went, but I'm, no, I don't want to be God. It wasn't that sort of a thing, but it was a goofy thing that hit me. But I remember as a kid, we'd get together, a bunch of us, and we'd play. And then we play superheroes. You know, have you ever played that when you were a kid? Hey, oh yeah. yeah. Man, superheroes time. And then we'd, I'd buzz upstairs and I'd get the towel, you know, and go, Mom, you gotta tie a knot in the towel right here so it doesn't fall off, because I'm Superman. And you stick your chest out. I'm sticking my chest out, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You stick your chest out, okay? And Superman, big ass. And you remember that, and we'd all head down, we'd all end up being Superman because we all had the cape, and we wanted to help people, we'd rescue people and stuff. And then you always had this one. He tries to up you, right? Everybody's Superman. You got your towel on, it's tied like a knot, and you're cinching, you're walking, you come around the corner and you see Sid, or whatever, this one. 
This guy comes around the corner. What has he got? He's got his tie, you know, his, his, his uh, uh, towel tied. And then he's got his underwear over his blue jeans. What? Who wears tidy whities playing Superman? And then you think, okay, if those are on the outside of his jeans, that's got to be pretty uncomfortable on the in. But you know, you get all these different spiders. Superman, you know, he forever took our capes off and said, that's it, we're done playing. We're not wearing our underwear on the outside of our pants. Um, but the bottom line is, is we have these dreams, and they're innocent. You know, when you're young and you, you have these aspirations, those dreams, it's where you start your life wanting to really, really, really do some great things. The innocent longings for something incredible. We want to do heroic deeds with our life. We want our lives to count. We want them to mean something and have meaning. But something changes. You see, I'm going to talk about two paths. And in the first path, something changes on this path. Something changes on this journey. We go from wanting to do something great to wanting to be something great. These words, achievement, success, greatness, become how we begin to measure our self-worth. We will go just about anywhere or do about almost anything to achieve or to find success or to look for greatness. It's sad, really. But we all go after these things and we end up in a place which I'll call boredom. Where we are not thriving anymore, but just surviving. It's where the aspirations uh, and maybe our, our dreams have crashed. And it's where our great illusions become disillusionment. Many of you are probably thinking that, yes, my life is boring. I'm in church, aren't I? That's a funny, that's a funny, I'm just, I gotta get you guys in. We got, we'll get it, we'll get it. But no, it's, I'm joking, of course. But boring, life can be boring. But people who live in this boredom just merely exist. I've been there. There's nothing worse. Day in, day out, is this it? God, is this it? Is this all it is? Find a job, break my back, have a family, make sure there's food on the table, the pressures. Is this it? Because, man, this is pretty hard. Sometimes we start thinking that this is what life is all about, which isn't true. You see, in life there is a flaw. 
There's a flaw. There's a virus, um, per se, that affects every one of us. It's in our lives, and we can't shake it, and it continues to grow. And it's called selfishness. And it can't take, uh, it, just, it just takes and takes and takes. I want to do great things to, I want to be great. It becomes all about me. It becomes all about me. That's what life's about. It's about me. It's about me feeling good, getting stuff, being number one. It's like you want to be Superman and have the autographs with it. If your life is all about you, your happiness, your goals, your dreams, your pleasure, desires for greatness, I'm going to tell you you're not alone. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' closest followers, the disciples, didn't understand that that may have been on the, that they may have been on the same path as us. It says in, in Mark chapter 9, when he was in the house, he, Jesus, asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. He sat down and called them around and him and said, anyone wanting to be the greatest must be the least the servant of all. You know, it's, Jesus gets his, to this house, he pulls his buddies together and he says, what's up? Something's off. What's going on? And in essence, his disciples, they're acting like children, right? Hey, I want to be Superman this time. No, you were Superman last time. No, uh, no, I want to be Superman. No, you can be Donkey Man. Donkey Man, well, I was Donkey Man last time. You be Donkey They're just in this big argument. They want to be the greatest. This, but God understands why we want to be great. But greatness comes only by serving. Only by serving. It's sort of where, when Jesus sat down with him and was talking, it was that awkward moment, right? That awkward moment when awkwardness of self-proclaimed greatness that runs, that runs into reality. It's like what you thought you were and really what, you, what it is. There's a huge gap. The path to greatness is not paved with our narcissistic ways. It's not paved with our egocentricity, where it's all about you. It's paved with serving. That's the message Jesus brought and demonstrated for us. It took him all the way to the cross. In Luke, Jesus said, your care for others is the measure of your greatness. Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. There's a whole other path there's a whole other path, folks. And the starting point to that path starts with myself. The other path at first started the search for which selfishness led me to myself. And I realized it's not all about me. 
The second path begins at myself in realizing that. I've come to this awareness that life, if it, it's all about me and it will slowly suck the life out of me. The selfishness will suck it out. But there's another path, and it's where God says greatness only comes by serving, and this path that we choose to journey begins to move us into significance. Every person here wants significance in their life. Nobody I know is happy to merely exist. We have one life to live. We only have about 100 years on this planet. Nobody wants to wake up one day and look back and see, wow, I wasted that. I know people that have spent far too long on that other path and begin to hate their life. This is why I do love people's church. It's because so many of us lived on that other path and have chosen to get off that path. I want a journey with God down this road and want something different between now and when we get to heaven. I want to make my life count for something. I want to make a difference. I want meaning in my life. I need significance in my life. Well, you want greatness? You want significance? Jesus says you serve. So serving others looks a pretty big thing. So what does serving mean? Do I serve my, do I serve at my church? Yes and no. I'm talking about serving everywhere, 24-7. I'm talking about having that mentality that if I want to be great and I want a life of significance, Jesus says the only way is to serve, then I need to serve at home. I need to serve in my community. I need to serve in the marketplace. I need to serve in my church. I need to serve. Serving is not, is not and should never be about a list of chores. It's not a, a, list, a honey-do list. Ah, oh, honey, come serve. <laughs> Ouch. It's not that. It's not a list of chores. For the Christian here today, that's God's plan for our lives is to serve and, and, and live our lives through serving. The list of chores, and I'll, be, I'll go back to this. The list of chores is, there's always things to do. But then there's things that are built for you and you specifically, your gifting, your personality, your way of doing things, your passion. God has put these things in you and there's a place where you can really serve in those areas and be a 10. 
It says in Mark, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. This is the one guiding principle of faith. If you want to lose life, hang on to it. Keep going. Go after those things. Selfishness or, or uh, all that stuff. But you'll lose it. Not a more empty way to live. But if you give it up and serve and give of your life, you gain stuff you never thought you were missing. Like it, it blows your mind. This is one of, you know, the, we cannot grow spiritually without serving. It's not just I'm going to church and thinking that's what it's all about. God smiles on me and goes, yeah, you're a good boy. Dale, you made it to church Sunday. Yeah, you heard the pastor maybe 10 minutes out of the 30, but that's better than last week. He's not here right now. Oh, but he's probably watching online. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I guess it's too late to take that out. Yeah. Okay. But you don't go through your life and then go back to your life and be selfish all that week and think that God, you're okay with God. I mean, yeah, you, your salvation, you've asked Christ in your heart, he's forgiven you, absolutely. But you won't grow. You'll become stagnant. And the pastors here, I know, and they care. They care about your spiritual growth. I look around and see so many people here involved in many different ministries, serving our church body, and care for many of you. But God wants to do more in this community. He wants to do more in this church. And it isn't going to grow if more people don't begin to serve where they're gifted, where they're made, what they're made for. Because if everybody takes a little piece, it can be powerful. Let's get real practical. I have five things that I will, uh, we need to move towards for significance. The first thing, if we are going to get into the game, we need to eliminate excuses. This is a tough one. Like, come on, excuses. But it's true. It's, it, we all got butts. We got butts. You know what? And, and let's be honest. Butts are not, are, are, are uh, these excuses that we have, they're not foreign to God. God knows. He's had excuses right from the first. Adam and Eve. In the garden. You remember back? It's her fault. But, but, but. Excuse. It was the snake, but, but, you go a little farther, you see Moses. Moses, God calls Moses to lead his people. We go, wow, what a leader. He sure didn't feel like a leader when God laid it out to him. He didn't feel like anybody great when God sort of put this in his path and said, you know what, I want you to lead the people out of Egypt. What did Moses do? Well, he had lots of excuses. Um, 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 you know, God, I, 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 I don't speak well. I, I, uh, you know, they say he stuttered. Well, God, I can't do that. God, I'm, I'm pretty old now. You know, I'm, I'm older. You know, I got gout 
in my foot and it can be hurting and you know I can't walk as straight and I lose my place and and whatever we can come up with all these excuses but Moses you know but what he did was when he took it he said okay I'll trust you this much God and I'll walk it what happened what happened Excuses. We all have them. They, everybody has them. When you flip to the New Testament in John chapter 5, you have one of the craziest excuses I've ever heard is a sick man that was laying around a pool, the pool of Bethesda. If you were sick or have disease, the tradition was that the angel of the Lord would stir the water and the person, uh, the first person into the pool would be healed. Now, this, there is a guy there, and he's been there for 38 years. 38, not, not a month, you know, not two months, not six months, 38 years. Jesus, in verse 6, says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be healed? Like, do you want to be healed? I mean, that's a great question to ask him. Do you want to be healed? After 38 years, do you want to be healed? Fair question. I want to ask you a question. Do you want to see God do work in your life? Do you want to see God do a work in your life to others? Because the most powerful thing is when you grab a hold of that and you understand that God lives in you and he's given you a mission. He's given you Areas around that you can serve so he could come more real in your life. And as he becomes more real in your life and you give it away, you grow. And it's a powerful thing. Significance. In verse 7, it says, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. In verse 6, Jesus says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. What's the excuse? Name your excuse. Know your excuse. A few years ago, many of you know, my, my wife had passed. And uh, three weeks afterwards, my pastor, a very good friend of mine, he came to me not wanting to make me do something. But he says, Dale, we got some new people coming to the church. And he says, could you, could you be a small group leader? Like, you don't have to take the lead. Just be there to facilitate it. And I tell you, I had so many excuses. Come on. Three weeks after my wife passed. Emotionally, I wasn't ready. 
just trying to figure out that other half that wasn't there made it awkward. Time, I had time, but I was going through all this stuff, all these emotions. But I said, you know what? I need to. Because before that, for about three, three years, we didn't attend the church. We had to watch it through, like many of you had to watch it through um, TV or being online. But also because of Michelle's illness, we weren't able to go every Sunday and it was very hard for her to make it. So I said, no, I need to do this because not I didn't feel like it. It's because it was just the right thing to do. And I went and I, I sat down there and I thought, man, I look around at the, the five people that God placed with me because I really believe it was God. And these are people I would not have picked to be in my small group. You know, I like some people that maybe come from the same background a little bit, a little feel good, you know, talk about sports, you know, that. God didn't want that for me. But he put these people, these five, six people in my life and it literally changed me, folks. It put me back together again. God started doing things back in me and using this as all I laid before him was what I could. And he started in me. Excuses. Name your excuse. But I tell you, if that's your excuse, then you give that excuse to God and you watch God do an incredible thing. It says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on Him. The limitations. God, embrace those limitations. Because that's where God brings it in. That's where God impacts. Number two, start small. Start small. God has an incredible ability of taking that which is small in our eyes and make them big. He took a few loaves fed and some fishes and fed thousands. Jesus pointed to the woman that had two coins and she gave two coins. Remember at the inner offering? Jesus pointed to his disciples and said, you know what? That lady gives everything that she has. God has this way of taking this and making it big. He doesn't want it to be big. He wants you to start small. It says in Matthew 10, 42, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of them, the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. That's a cup of water. A cup of water. Look to sign up. Look to get involved. Look to talk to, man, I don't know, I, a ministry leader or somebody that's there that can actually, you can go through the program. Maybe you have an interest in kids. Crazy, but maybe you have an interest in, you know, maybe you really want to step out on the edge and go into youth. Crazier. But talk to a ministry leader. Get involved. Sign up somewhere just to say, you know what, I have an interest in And they will walk you through to try and find the best place for you. The way you're shaped, how you fit, so that you can give, so that God can grow you. 
That's what it's about. It's not about a list of chores. And if you think it is about a list of chores, this is about work, this is about work, and more work, and more work, then I'll tell you this. Chat with God and don't get involved. Because what other choice do you have? It's got to be God. The third thing, go together. Go together. When it comes to ministry and you go together, man, you know what, over the years being here at People's, I got some incredible relationships. Some friends that I'll tell you, they go deep. These are people that I've served with. These are people that, you know, we, we I was back in the day, I was a youth, I was crazy. I was a youth guy. I was the youth pastor. And uh, we'd have people, we'd have um, parents come and be involved. We had the funnest times. I can honestly look back on my times in ministry has been, it's gotten to a depth where, wow, God, you've blessed me, not just with friends, but with family. You go together. If you have a friend and you have interest, in it, let's check this out. Mark 6, 7 says, and he called his 12 together, uh, disciples together, and sent them out two by two. Well, there was about 30, there's about 70 people he called out. And uh, 70 people he called out. And they went out and they did ministry. And they come back and uh, had an incredible time. Incredible time. Relationships. That's where God does incredible things. Is through those things. You want significance? Serve. It's not boring. It's fun. Chasing Brent Jones around at 4 o'clock in the morning on camp nights was not fun. But we laugh about it now. And Josh. Number four. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. If you don't find that it's a fit, try something else. If that, you don't find that's a fit, try something else. You know what? We're getting better at that here at People's. Because you know where I started? I started in front of kids. I said this on Wednesday. I started in front of the children's area. I was the music pastor for the children. Oh, they didn't call me pastor. I was... And I had to get up in front of kids. And I had to go... If I were a butterfly, I'd flap my wing. I don't know where it goes from there, but I've been, it's seared in my mind. I'm tortured. I close my eyes at night and I see little kids doing all these things. It's not good. I need counseling. Well, they didn't think that was good. But you know what? I got pretty good at puppets. We were doing a backyard puppet show. Okay, with puppets. Me and another fellow. And we're there and this lady's telling this very nice story on love. Love. And we got the two puppets. I don't know what I had. A chicken with a fuzzy hairdo. Whatever. And you're like, hey, yeah. Oh, oh, love. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. You know, and the other guy, we're talking with some other puppet. And then all of a sudden this four-year-old kid sticks up his hand and the lady goes, oh yes, you got a question? Yes. What is the question? Did you know my mom and dad make love? 
Okay. Did you know my mom and dad make love? I fell over laughing. The chicken head fell off. Never did puppets again in my life. Wasn't a fit. Okay? Find a place that fits. We're getting way better. Believe me, they did everything they could to try and find me a spot. And they've retrained everybody all over again. But find a place because God has given you his DNA. He's given you a strand of his DNA which comes through with his spiritual gifts. And it matches with your passion and your shape. It's incredible. God designed you and wired you to use those talents and gifts to serve him and feel fulfillment. We need that. It says in Corinthians 12.4. Now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But it is the Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. The last thing I want to talk to you is rest and reflect real quick. What? Rest and, re rest and reflect? No, you're in ministry. You go hard 100% of the time, all the time. No. You need to take time out. You need to rest and reflect on your heart. Because God wants you to grow. And he wants you to grow. He's put things in your heart. Are you growing? Take the time to stop and go, you know what? I need just to reflect and celebrate what God's doing because you've come from here to here now. And there are other things that he might want you involved in. It's not about going 100 miles an hour all the time. Like I said, when, when Jesus called his disciples, it says the disciples returned, there's 70 of them, and, and he told them to go out and minister. The disciples returned, or apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and what they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left by boat to a quieter place or a quieter spot. Wait, there's crowds there. There's needs there. People need to be looked after. No. There's time. There's a time to check your heart. Jesus understood that they were not supermen or have a Messiah complex that it can only be done through them and they're the only ones. He wanted them to rest and go to the quieter place where they could reflect at what God was doing in their hearts. Serving. Here's the thing. I just wanted to lay it out to you today. What God speaks to your heart, don't do anything out of guilt, manipulation. You search God's heart. You, sure, you search God in you and ask him about this truth you've learned today. See, true significance comes from selfless serving and a surrendered heart. You got to hear me on this. If you feel, well, you know what? He says I have to and it's going to be a, oh man, it's a chore. Don't serve. Don't you dare. Because God can't work with that. 
He can work with a selfless, serving heart. Bless you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I'm on that one path where I'm at that point where I hate my life because I'm just, it's cool and nowhere. I'm in this mundane, boring. There's got to be more. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking that. I want to tell you, you can ask Christ into your heart quietly. In your heart, you can ask him to come in and become Lord of your life. If you'd like to do that with me this morning, I, I'll say a prayer. Your prayer, this prayer can be like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and you died for my wrongdoing, my selfishness. And you made a way for me to have a relationship with you. I ask you to come into my life Forgive me of my wrongdoing and be Lord of my life and lead me so I might grow and get to know you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for every heart here. God, you know people's lives. You know their ups and downs. You know everything about them. Everything stripped away. You know who they are. You know them. You love them no matter what. God, I pray, speak your truth. And Lord, as you speak your truth, I pray as they take those things and hold on to them tight. God, I pray you do an incredible work in our lives. Lord God, I pray you do a work in our lives so that we might do a work in this community. We might be able to do a work in this church, this community, this province, this country, this world. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.